Hello and welcome to another episode of Eat This Podcast with me, Jeremy Charfus. One of the good things about doing the podcast is that I honestly have very little idea of who's listening or where. So it's always a treat to get emails. And recently, one arrived with a very intriguing address, joe at karem.co.nz. Well, Karem must be the famous pioneering French chef, but what's he doing in New Zealand? So I did a bit of looking around and decided it'd be fun and interesting to talk to Joe. Joe Crabb, that is. She runs cooking classes in Martinborough, which is a small town at the south end of the North Island, about an hour from Wellington. Well, given how New Zealand tackled COVID, I wanted to know how that had affected Joe and her classes. But I was also pretty surprised to learn that Joe and her partner had a holiday home in the south of France, where they'd spend a couple of months a year before the pandemic. Almost 20,000 kilometers seems like an awful long way to go to a second home. And we're not the only ones. In Martinborough, uh, Martinborough is a small town of oh, 1,200, 1,400 people. At one time, there were three or four people who had houses, owned houses in France. It's not bad. <laughs> Where did you start to cook? Oh, um, well, I went to university um, in Christchurch, Canterbury University, um, and I really thought, golly, this isn't for me. So I finished it, but then I thought, no, there's got to be something more interesting. Um, so I, I just started cooking. I just got a job, you know, work your way up. And when did you start doing cooking classes? Oh, I just made that up. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just decided to do it. Um, I, I'd hurt my back. Um, and so the, you know, sort of the physical restaurant stuff was going to be a bit tricky. So I thought, oh, cracking, I have to do something. It was a bit of a leap of faith because um, you can't, you know, and also you can't practice it. <laughs> You have to practice it on live people. So um, we did. We just started. We just decided to do it. Um, and the first class, crack, it was exhausting. Um, and, of course, I learned a lot more than they did. Um, the poor sods who came to the first class, they had to sit there and take it. Well, I mean, they claimed to enjoy it at the time. Um, but, I mean, we'd planned and we'd planned. But, I mean, you can't um, think too far ahead but you have to have a, you have to entertainment. You have to make sure everyone's engaged. But you have to be amusing. But also at the same time, the lunch has to turn out, and that is the most important thing. If the lunch doesn't turn out, boy, you're in trouble. They loved it. Fortunately, <laughs> I mean, if it, we we did we've been doing it for years now. So I mean, we've have got slightly better. But it's it it should always be an adventure. It should never be over prepared. <laughs> you offer a whole range of of classes i looked on your on your website there's a whole range of things mm. but you do seem to prefer french classical french cuisine yes. what why i i um sort of a... let me just back up i mean these days classical french cuisine has a bit of a kind of dull reputation it's got a bit of baggage yeah no it has to um I still think that French food is the best, and I have tried a lot of food. 
I, I go go around eating a lot. <laughs> but um, no, I, I honestly, uh, the French take food more seriously. The Italians take food very seriously. The Indians take food very seriously. And I love all their food. But I still love French food. Ah, something, yeah, that grandma thing, you know. Yeah, you say the grandma thing, but but your your hero seems to be Carême. And ah, Carême. Ah, yes. Yes. He's not exactly a grandma figure in cooking, is he? No, he's not. I suspect he was a rather nasty man, too, actually. Um, well, he had a daughter who didn't, didn't, didn't have a lot to do with, and then died. she burnt all his papers, just a bit of a shame. Yeah. So I don't think he was particularly nice. But he had an enormous influence on the kind of French, on French cooking. Oh, yes. And, and you seem, you seem to, to kind of be channeling that, that approach to cooking, I think. Yeah, um, he, he taught the world a lot about food. He he really did. He was a he was a major influence. You know, is French cooking actually what is is that your most popular class among the people who are coming to learn, or um, or is it just the thing you like doing most? Well, the thing the thing that you're most enthusiastic about normally the thing you think you're best at, isn't it? Um, but uh, the the French ones are always popular because I go on about them a lot. But then the bread and yeast classes are always popular too because they're practical. Um, and then the spicy classes are popular too. The Indian ones, yeah, spices. The other thing I found intriguing was that one of the things you say is that you 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 focus in most classes you focus on one or two easy things that can make a real difference. Oh yeah. What what sorts of things? Um, well, I, I, it's a rather unkind thing to say, but I think a lot of people do very basic things wrongly. Um, they and also they you could just teach them really simple things like the way to hold a knife. And go out and buy a good knife. Just tell them to do it, and it they do it, and it makes a big difference. And, and things like um, if you say to them with the right sparkle in your eye <laughs> to make your, their own mayonnaise, it transforms cooking. It transforms your lunches. You you've got um, little potatoes with mayonnaise. Yum yum. <laughs> Every sandwich that you're ever going to make is going to be good. When you say make your own mayonnaise, do you, do you mean with a whisk or can you use one of those immersion blender things? Um, I do it in the classes. We do it with a whisk because making a small quantity, it, wor- it works out well with a whisk. And we, t- we take turns. It's very bonding, you know. Um, <laughs> food is very bonding. Okay, so may- mayonnaise is one. But, I mean, okay, once you've decided you're going to make your own mayonnaise, what else can you do that, that among these little little simple things that make a difference? Roasting and grinding your own spices. Yeah. Transforms it. I mean, it makes it just so, so much better. And it's so easy. But people buy ground spices. I've, when I go to their houses, I see them. It's awful. It's, it's depressing. And I know they're old. They've been sitting in the cupboard for a year, two years. Throw them out. Do you find when people come and see you do this, do they actually notice the difference then and say, oh, gosh, the scales have fallen from my eyes? Yes. But whether they actually do it at home afterwards, I like to think they do. The bread thing, you mentioned the bread thing being very Hmm. popular, and, of course, it has, we have during the COVID thing, we have seen an explosion of people home baking, and and not just sourdough, but a lot of sourdough. Do, Do you think that'll continue once people no longer have to do it? 
No, I don't. Um, I, would be, I would be surprised. Um, I like to think some things will last, uh, like the the walking and cycling. But I don't think that personally. I don't think Sado will. I, I know what a fag it is to look after Sado. Um, when you go on holiday, what are you going to do? Um, and I have techniques. Oh, leave it. I, leave it in the back of the fridge. That's what I um, do. I mean, well, I find it goes off. It doesn't like it. It gets grumpy. It's very temperamental. <laughs> I like to think that some people at least will keep baking because they've they've got the bug. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to think so too, but I don't think everybody will. I wanted to ask you about New Zealand produce because I'm in Italy and the lamb here, um, it's it's too young for my taste. We used to be able to get wonderful frozen legs of New Zealand lamb, and I can't find that anywhere. But apart from lamb, and 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 we get apples as well. What's what's the produce like in in New Zealand? Actually, there on your doorstep, uh, seafood is fantastic. Um, I honestly think we have the best seafood in the world because we have nice cold water, and um, most seafood grows best in cold cold water. We have stuff, um, power, which abalone, which I don't think you'd get. It's black and unappealing, but its taste is very good. And crayfish, which is uh, rock lobster, uh, it's another good one. Um, and, and very good, um, you know, fillet fish. It's very good. Um, of course, our milk, um, milk and cream is sensational, but our cheese is, well, we're still working on that. Um, fruit and vegetables are good, but no. Uh, they're not um, sort of see. They, they don't do. They don't really do that seasonal thing. Why is that? I mean, we get your apples out of season. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they've really worked on it. It's a business thing, and they've gone. They said, "Okay, we'll get the leeks. Okay, we get these lovely big leeks, and we get them for, I don't know, nine months of the year. And then when we go to France and we find these lovely little leeks, just sometimes, and they're just so much better. Um, and we get tomatoes all the time, and they're awful. I mean, it's the same everywhere, isn't it? You get bad tomatoes all the time when you want tomatoes in summer. New Zealand food used to have a pretty dreadful reputation, certainly yes. uh, <laughs> in, in the UK. Um, and you do a class of colonial kiwi food. So... Um, <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> That's priceless. I mean, of course, it's mostly uh, meat and potatoes or variations on stodge because they were working very hard and they didn't have a lot of you know, opportunities to get different stuff. So it's variations on mutton, 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 or <laughs> not much else, and potatoes or potatoes. Um, but then we did things like, um, oh, there was some, I mean, you have to read a lot of sort of early stuff and it was a story about a girl who didn't know how to cook and she went next door and her the farmer's wife next door was making scones on a what do you call it a, a thing that sits on on fire griddle that's right but so she went home and she was going to make scones for her father um because her, her mother had died um she didn't have one so she got her father's saw and um cooked it put sitting on top of the fire and cooked it. So in the class, we um, sat, we had a saw. We, had, we found an old saw and we set it on the element and made scones on it. It was quite fun. <laughs> Everyone thought it was hysterical. And then we uh, we made we made butter to go with it, um, which, I mean, everyone knows how to make butter, but no one ever does it. So it was fun to do it. It was very easy, just over beet cream, but it, um, 
it was it was really nice. Yeah, quite an experience. And what about then the modern approach, which is using local ingredients and and local techniques? How has modern cuisine in New Zealand developed? Is it is it using Maori techniques and ingredients? There there are some, but not a heck of a lot. Um, there are a few things which we have learned from Maori, um, but to be honest, we haven't learned a lot. We should have learned more, but, you know, usual story. Um, we, we're learning more, um, but there was a, quite an exchange, and of course they, once our sweet potato came, they stopped using their original kumara, um, which was their sweet potato, which was their basic sort of our our cuisine took over, to be honest. And are there any? Um, you mentioned the the uh, kumara, the sweet the sweet potato that came across the Pacific. Are there any things that um, that that are 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 indigenous to the to the country? Um, oh, thinks rapidly. Um, well, of course, we famously have no mammals, so um, there's not a lot of animals. There are parts of um, um, trees which are the Maori ate, which um, sort of are, aren't as appealing these days, like the cabbage tree, Tikauka, um they used to eat the copper part of it as a like a cabbage, but it's it's, um, it's not as appealing as a Western-style cabbage. Um, uh, what else would there be? It's kind of... It's kind of it, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean the big, the, you know the 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 giant. What are they called? Mowers or oh mower? Oh yeah. Were well, they? <laughs> oh yes. They were, oh yes. They were definitely eaten by the Maori. Um, the Maori would send out parties, um, and they would the, the the hunting party would live on the mower eggs while they were hunting for the giant mower, and would preserve the mower um, to keep them for the rest of the year. Yeah. But I'm afraid they liked them, and they made them extinct. So what do you what do you see going forward? I mean, we're working on a new project. We're trying to find a new space in Martinborough, but because Martinborough is so prosperous now, there's hardly any spare spaces. <laughs> so that we each space that comes up, we're sort of trying to get, and we're bidding on a new space, but um, we keep waiting to see what will happen. When do you think you'll get back to France? Oh goodness me, uh, we have to wait for a vaccine um, because I'm. T- 60 next week so um you, you want to be a little bit careful um i know that you, you're starting to enter the danger years um so we, we're really gonna to have to wait for a vaccine one one last question um do you think that cooking at home in general has we talked about bread and how people have been making bread during the lockdown but do you think Cooking at home has also gone up a notch, maybe, as people have been, in a way, forced to take it on? Yes, definitely. Definitely, yes. And and restaurants are going to have to lift their game. Because restaurants, some restaurants, are not that good. Often when I go out, I think, oh, goodness me, really? Oh, dear. I mean, it's nice not to have to wash the dishes, but apart from that, it would be much better at home. Don't you find that? Uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure because we haven't been going out to people either. 
Um, so I don't know what people who normally spend more time in restaurants than cooking at home, I don't know what's happened to their cooking. Um, I'd be intrigued to know, you know, the people who were going out to restaurants three or four times a week, what were they doing and has that changed? And, and I just don't know the answer. Mm. I think people will have been doing studies on this. It would be very interesting, wouldn't it? I think they'd be desperate to go out again. Um, it's, it's seeing people. Because that's when, when we couldn't go out, you just wanted to see people. You wanted to just sit there and watch the world go by. Sit, sit in a cafe and watch people. Definitely. I'm with Joe Crabb on that. Sitting out and watching people was something I think we all missed. Like I said at the outset, I never know who's listening or where, but if you're in New Zealand, do keep an eye on what Joe gets up to in Martinborough. I'm sure it'll be tasty. And do I need to apologize for calling New Zealand New Zealand rather than Aotearoa? I hope not. But in my defense, I don't think I've ever said the word out loud until now, and I'm not sure I got it even halfway right. So forgive me. I did actually check how it was supposed to sound on Wikipedia. That wasn't much help, but it did help point me to information about the abalone and the cabbage tree that Joe mentioned. I'll put some details in the show notes, which you can find, as ever, at eatthispodcast.com. That's also the place to leave a comment, wander through the archives, and, if you wish, sign up to become a supporter of the show. I'm very grateful to all of you who make a donation, not least because your contributions allow me to offer a transcript of the episode, which people have said they find useful. Till the next episode then, from me, Jeremy Chaffas, and Eat This Podcast, goodbye and thanks for listening. <laughs>